0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Redemption Youth Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please feel free to email us at youth@redemptionchurch.co.za. Have a great day. that you've carried us this far, and we just thank you for this service. We thank you for this opportunity to receive from you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for never stopping your pursuit of us, that it didn't end at the cross, Lord, but that you want us every single day. That you have such great plans for us, God, and you don't expect us to do it on our own because you want to do it in relationship with us, God. You want to walk this journey with us. You want to love us personally the way you love us, God. So today we just stand in awe of your goodness and we're just filled with gratitude this morning and we just ask that you would also just equip us and speak to us in this service this morning in a way that only you can. And we just want to We just want to experience you, God. We just want to have a better relationship with you. We just want to have a greater revelation. We just want to be used. We just want to know our purpose. We just want to make an impact in this world, God. And we just want to make you made known. And so today we just receive whatever that next step looks like. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Give somebody a high five around you. Let's greet somebody. Especially behind you, those are usually the people you don't usually sit with, so it's it's very healthy to give them a high five. I hear it adds like 20 years to your life. Cool. And then, um, let's make some noise if we're finished with exams now. Woo! You did it. It's over. We made it. We're here. We're not dead. We're alive. The exam season's over, um, and if you are still writing, oh, shame. Uh, I know that some schools are only like closing on the 15th of December or like the 14th, and then, but it's so stupid because then they make you sit at school or sit at home, and then you have to go back for that one day, and then get your report, like, send me an email. Why do you need me here? Let me go on holiday. Let me just know that I don't have to come back like we live in the 21st century we live in the 22nd year of it like send me an email um or, or or like send it to to me on on an app you know like just get a school app stop being lame stop being losers um but yeah, it is the way it is. And uh, we just got to love and respect those that are running our schools and pray for them and trust that God is the one that's actually, you know, re- revolutionizing our education system and the thought processes of our leaders. But uh, yeah, at least you know that you're done. No more exams, no more tests. Maybe some of you got some, some books to read over the holidays or some homework for next year. Uh, just do it. Just do it. Do it in the first week of December. Before you go on holiday, like don't wait to come back. Just get it out the way, then enjoy the rest of your holiday. Don't let it haunt you. That's the worst thing ever. Like, let's use this December period to get better in any way possible. Um, So if we can learn to be proactive and stop procrastinating and just get it done this week from Monday the 5th of December to Friday the whatever, I think it's the 9th, Friday the 9th or Saturday the 10th, then it's just... Do whatever they've given us. Let's just do whatever is required, and then we can chill. But uh, don't don't lose this momentum because now we we've just finished school, we've just finished exams. We're in the in that mode of getting things done. Um, so let's just carry on with it for one more week. If you do have anything that you need to do for next year, and then you can just completely switch off and chill, and you go into the new year without panicking. And your friends are all going to be panicking because they procrastinated. Let's let's just be better. Let's just take. That one step, that 1%. Let's just get 1% better this holiday. Um, and then also, today's going to be pretty interesting because uh, we're going to talk about the Benjamin generation. And I don't know if any of you know, have noticed, but on our youth leader shirts, we have a wolf on our shirts. Um, and it actually says on our one sleeve, Benjamin generation, although mine says, be jammin gener-, gener, I think it says generation. Um, but... It's actually, it's actually a big deal, um, and we're going to talk about it again at the beginning of next year, because the, being part of this Benjamin generation is not a small deal. It's a, it's a big deal because God wants to do something special with the Benjamin generation, and the wolf um, is actually the banner or the flag of the tribe of Benjamin in the Bible. So there's 12 tribes. I don't know all their names. I know Judah, Ephraim, Manasseh. Benjamin, uh, Issachar, and then I know Zebulun, Naphtali, uh, and then Reuben, and then the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Dan, so I know like 10. Um, I I, I know I'm missing two, and that was just off the top of my head, but then the tribe of Benjamin, so they all have a different banner, they all have a different flag that God told them they needed to have uh, when they were traveling through the desert after they left Egypt. Um, and so Benjamin gets the wolf, and that's why we have the wolf um, in Redemption Youth, and we're actually going to do even more of it uh, next year, because we need to be reminded consistently that we are the Benjamin generation, um, because God wants to do something significant with us, and with significant expectation, God doesn't give, God doesn't leave us without significant resource. So he's like, I need the Benjamin generation to do something amazing in this world and take the gospel further than it's ever gone before and take the promises of God like no one's ever had them, but I'm gonna resource them to do that. I'm not gonna give them the same amount as all the other generations, I'm gonna give them more because they're gonna need more. So today we're gonna learn about how much more does the Benjamin generation have and a cool example of somebody from the tribe of Benjamin who actually did a lot. There's actually quite a few interesting stories of people from the tribe of Benjamin that did quite a lot. Um, so yeah, it's significant. So there's, there's 12 tribes of Israel. I managed to name 10. I don't know which ones I left out because to, to be honest, I, I didn't like try and memorize them. Those are just the ones that were off the top of my head. But um, there's, so there's 12 tribes of Israel and we're actually gonna be looking at a story today um, of Joseph in the Bible. So we know that uh, Abraham had a son named Isaac, Isaac had a son named Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 patriarchs and uh, leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel, after whom uh, they were all named. So he had a son named Judah, he had a son named Benjamin, he had a son son named Joseph, he had a son named Issachar, and those sons, the the tribes were named after those sons, because they all had children, and those children had children, and those children had children. Um, So... There's going to be some interesting pictures and stories in the story of Joseph, and Pastor Prince also loves preaching on um, the story of Joseph because Joseph is actually a, an amazing picture of Jesus, and Egypt is a picture of the world, and uh, the 12 brothers and Jacob are a picture of the church and Israel and the Jews and all that kind of stuff, and there's just so much here for us. So uh, they're not, the scriptures are not necessarily going to be on the screens today, so we're just going to go over a few. Instances, so we're going to first look at Benjamin in the story of Joseph, and then we're going to look at a few examples of what uh, people from the tribe of Benjamin did, um, because it's actually really cool. So uh, we're not going to read the full story of Joseph. So if you want to go read it yourself, it's from Genesis chapter 37 to Genesis chapter 50. It's a nice holiday read because it's such—it's just an awesome story. And like when when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers in his palace. Um, I don't know why, but whenever I read the story of how he loves his brothers and reveals himself to them, and he's so vulnerable, and he's crying, like, I'm just crying. So, uh, I'm I'm like, this is just such a good story. So, we're going to only carry on, though, from chapter 43. So, we're skipping about six chapters. Yes, I can do maths. Cool. So, what happens from chapter 37 until uh, chapter 43 is that uh, Jacob has... uh, Ten sons, so he has the first ten sons, uh, a bunch of them through Leah, a bunch of them through one of Leah's slaves, um, and a few through Rachel's one slave. So there's four women that have 12 sons, um, but up to this point, there's only ten sons, and none of them are from Rachel, who is Jacob's actual first love. Like, that's who he wanted to marry, but then Jacob's father-in-law tricked him into marrying Leah, who was the less attractive sister that he didn't want to marry, um, so there's also drama in the Bible, if you guys want to watch it or listen to it or read it. Um, so then we are, then Jacob eventually has a son named Joseph with Rachel, who is his favorite wife. And so obviously having a son with the wife that you always wanted to marry and have kids with, that's a big deal to him. And so the Bible says that he loved Joseph more than all his other sons, because Joseph is actually from the wife that he always wanted to have kids with. And so Joseph is with his brothers and he has a special robe. It says that he gets a, a robe of many colors um, and his brothers all have a regular, I don't know, shepherd outfits. So they're super jealous of him because he gets special treatment from his father and he also gets dreams from the Lord. So Joseph has like two or three different dreams and he brags about how, he's the center of the dreams and in the dreams most of the time his brothers are serving him and then Jacob's like you shouldn't be telling these dreams to your brothers because it's going to make them want to hate you and kill you um so it's it's quite deep and so he has more of these dreams and his brothers are very much provoked towards jealousy and they start thinking of ways to get rid of him and so one day they throw Joseph in a pit um and they were just going to leave him there there for a while or they were going to kill him And then some traders came from Egypt, um, and they came past, and they ended up selling Joseph into slavery. Um, But so to make sure that their father wasn't unhappy with them, and well, like at them directly, they took Joseph's robe and they covered it with the blood of an animal, and they took it to Jacob and said that he had been eaten by a wolf, and that he had been killed by a wolf in the in the desert or in the wilderness. So. Now Joseph has been sold into slavery, and he goes into slavery, and his brothers go home with this amazingly crafted lie, and uh, and Jacob, the father, his heart is broken, and so they carry on living their lives in the land of Canaan, and now Joseph is on his way to Egypt, and it says that he gets to Egypt, and he's uh, with a bunch of other slaves, and then Potiphar, who is an advisor to the pharaoh, looks at the different slaves, and he picks Joseph and he buys him and makes Joseph work in his house. So he works in Potiphar's house. And then Joseph, uh, because he's got got God on his side and he keeps talking to the Lord, he has a relationship with the Lord. He becomes the best slave in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar promotes him um, to the head servant of his house and then uh, eventually Joseph has a scandal with uh, Potiphar's wife where she accuses him of trying to sleep with her, but he didn't because it says that he ran away and she tore off a piece of his robe. So she had this thing as like evidencing that he look, he'd unrobed himself and he tried to do stuff to me. So then Potiphar threw him into prison um and joseph was in prison for quite a few years and while he was in prison there were two uh, other people that were in prison with him it was one of the pharaoh's bakers and one of the pharaoh's cup bearers so you know how literally a king or a queen of a kingdom has someone to do literally everything for them so not only do you not fetch your own cup um, you have someone to go and bring your cup to you. And then there's also someone who used to bake for Pharaoh. So then they both have dreams, and Joseph interprets these dreams because God's given him the, t- the, the gift of interpretation. And so he interprets the baker's dream that um, he's going to be taken out of prison and he's going to die, and then he t- interprets the cupbearer's dream that he's going to be taken out of prison and go back into Pharaoh's courts. So he'll be serving Pharaoh again. So then the dreams come to pass, the baker dies, and then um, the cupbearer goes back into Pharaoh's household, um, and Joseph says to him, Don't forget me. So then it's like another two years pass, and then one day Pharaoh has a dream about terrible things happening in Egypt and he summons all his wise men, hey, please tell me what these dreams mean and none of Pharaoh's wise men could tell him what the dreams meant and then suddenly the cupbearer is like, hey, Joseph is in prison and he interpreted a dream from me and from uh, this other dude that was in prison and they both came to pass. So then they fish Joseph out of Potiphar's prison and he comes to Pharaoh's household and uh, he gives Pharaoh an explanation of what his dream meant. Um, and then Pharaoh is so amazed that he was able to interpret these dreams because it has to do with the famine and demise of Egypt. And um, so Joseph is also able to make a plan on how he would manage this famine and how they would um, store up for seven years. And then when the seven years of famine come, they would be able to distribute the grain to all the people in Egypt. So Pharaoh ends up making him second in command of everybody in Egypt. So the only person that's more powerful than Joseph is Pharaoh himself. So literally from a slave to being promoted, and then being down in prison, and then suddenly being literally way up there, like two IC in the kingdom of Egypt. Um, And then they actually gave him a name, zapnath Paniah, which means savior of the world. So who's Joseph a picture of? Jesus. So now we pick up the story where Joseph is in this position um, and he is zapnath panir he is the second uh, highest ruling person in all of Egypt and he's literally managing everything he's basically Pharaoh but not Pharaoh so um, we pick up in, in chapter 43 because uh, it says now that there's a famine in the land and there's a famine uh, also in Canaan which is a, a, quite a few uh, what quite a distance away and so now Jacob's family is in Canaan and they're like okay we have no food but we hear that the food in so they uh, leave their father, and they leave their brother Benjamin, who has now been born. So Joseph was the only son of Rachel and Jacob, and then Joseph is sold into slavery, and then a couple of years later, uh, Jacob has one last um, son with Rachel, and she names him Ben-Oni, which means son of sorrow, and then when she dies, Jacob actually renames him to son Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So... The right hand is a symbol of favor in the Bible, so literally Jacob changes his name from son of sorrow to son of favor. So Benjamin means son of favor or daughter of favor because now we're all part of the Benjamin generation, the favored generation. And so now uh, there's 11 brothers left in Canaan and so 10 of them go to Egypt and Jacob says, you can't take Benjamin, he has to stay here with me because he is the last son that I have with Rachel um, and my last son with her is now dead. So they go to Egypt, uh, and Joseph recognizes them, and he's like, oh, my gosh, these are my brothers, and they've come here for grain. And so he actually ends up talking to them, but they can't recognize who he is because he's speaking through a translator instead of speaking in their language, Um, because if he spoke Hebrew, they would kind of know who he was. And so he's speaking to them, and then he asks them a whole bunch of questions about their family. Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? Who are your mothers? And that kind of stuff. Um, so they just feel like they're being interrogated, and then he finds out that they have another brother, Benjamin, and so he says to them, um, bring your brother Benjamin back here um, so that you can leave. So the, he takes Simeon as a prisoner, puts him in prison, and he says that you can have Simeon back when you bring Benjamin to me. So now the brothers have taken some grain uh, back to Canaan, to Jacob, and um, they've also had money added to their sacks which they didn't know and so they're there and they're like hey uh, we need to go get Simeon out of out of prison and we need to do that by presenting just showing Joseph that Benjamin is alive and that we have a younger brother and so now we're kind of picking up the story in chapter 43 it says in verse 1 but the famine continued to ravage the land of Canaan when the grain they had brought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, Go back and buy us a little more food. So this is after they brought that grain back without Simeon and with Benjamin still being in Canaan. And so now the food is running out. So Jacob says, Go and buy a little more, <clears throat> go buy a little more food. But Judah said, This was this man was serious when he warned us, You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you send Benjamin with us, we will go down and buy more food. But if you don't let Benjamin go, we won't go either. Remember, the man said, "You won't see my face again unless your brother is with you." Why were you so cruel to me? Jacob moaned. Why did you tell, uh, why did you tell him you had another brother? Verse seven. The man kept asking us questions about our family, so they replied. He asked us, "Is your father still alive? Do you have another brother?" So we answered his questions. How could we have known he would say, "Bring your brother down here"? And then verse eight it says. Judah said to his father, send the boy with me and we will be on our way. Otherwise we, will not, otherwise, we will die of starvation. And not only we, but you and our little ones. So this is such a cool little scripture because Judah means praise. And so Judah saying, let Benjamin come with me. So Benjamin needs to be accompanied with praise. And as they go into Egypt with a picture of the world, it says that when we as Benjamin walk into the world with praise we won't die of starvation. So we need to, it's, it's just a cool picture of how we praise our way through the world and, and what is praise actually all about. It's shifting our focus to the Lord. It's, it's seeing Him. It says, I personally guarantee His safety. You may hold me responsible if I don't bring Him back. Then let me bear the blame for, forever. If we, don't, if we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice. So Judah's trying to convince his dad about how, no, they seriously need to uh, bring Benjamin back to Egypt because otherwise they're going to starve. So literally, without the Benjamin generation, uh, the church is going to starve, or the world starves. We, we, there's not enough resource. Everything will run out. But because, because the Benjamin generation comes, that there's actually provision. So then there's a whole uh, story about how they eventually get Benjamin, and they take him into Joseph's palace, Um, and then Joseph seats them all at a table, and this is what's really cool for us. So this is going to, we're going to start looking at why we are looked after in a special way as the Benjamin generation. So we pick it up again in verse 32 of chapter 43, and it says, um, "'The waiters served Joseph at his own table, and the brothers were served at a separate table.' the egyptians ate with joseph at their own table because egyptians despised hebrews and refused to eat with them joseph told of his brothers told each of his brothers where to sit and to their amazement he seated them according to age from oldest to youngest and joseph filled their plates with food from his own table so joseph is a picture of jesus so it says that he feeds them from his own table so we eat from the table of jesus but then it says giving Benjamin five times as much as he gave the others. Say five times as much. So they feasted and drank freely with him. And so this is really cool because all the brothers are seated at the table. So how many brothers, excluding Benjamin, are seated at the table? Excluding Benjamin, excluding Joseph. 10. So what is 10 a picture of? What is 10 a picture of in the Bible? How many commandments are there? 10. So 10 is a picture of the law. So where the law gets one meal, they only get enough to satisfy. Benjamin gets five times more. He gets shown grace. He gets shown favor from who? Joseph, representing Jesus. So Jesus gives Benjamin five times more. He gives the Benjamin generation five times more. So there's people that are walking in their own strength. They're trying to fulfill the law. They're trying to fulfill the commandments. They're trying to do everything in their own efforts. And they're only able to sustain themselves with enough in their meal for one. But God showing Benjamin favor, Jesus showing Benjamin favor, has five times as much that he needs. That's an overabundance. There's so much more for him. And how did he get it? Did Benjamin do anything to earn it? No. He just showed up. He showed up to the palace of Joseph. Where are we sitting right now? The house of God. So when you just show up, when you just show up to the presence of Joseph, when you just show up to the presence of Jesus, there says that there's five times more for the Benjamin generation. There's grace. Five is a picture of grace in the Bible. So then... So then, after this after this feast, Joseph gives all of the brothers, including Benjamin, a sack filled with grain, and it says that in Benjamin's sack, he puts a silver cup. He puts Joseph's silver cup. So at the head of the table is where Joseph would sit, and Joseph would have a cup that he would drink out of that was made of pure silver. So that... Chalice, that cup was put into Benjamin's sack. So Joseph sent his brothers off. We're in verse uh, 26 of chapter 45. And as they left, he called after them. Oh no, sorry, we're in the wrong place. Uh, okay, so what so what happens is that he sends them off. They're about to go back to um, they're about to go back to Jacob with the food. And so he sends out a Joseph sends out one of his slaves, and he says, "Say this to them: Why have you betrayed my kindness by stealing my silver chalice? Why have you betrayed me by stealing my silver cup?" So then, Joseph's servant goes out to the eleven brothers. He says, "Why have you taken my cup?" Um, and so they say to him, "We would never steal from your house. Why would we take any of your gold or silver? Let the man who has taken it from you die." And so they don't. They say this about. Benjamin, who is Jacob's favorite son, because they don't even know what's in Benjamin's sack. So then they dismount from their donkeys, they put down the sacks, and they all open their sacks, and in Benjamin's sack is the silver cup. So then they are literally all horrified because it's Benjamin, and now Judah's been saying to Jacob, like, dude, no, I'm gonna bring him back safely, don't worry. And now Judah's been so confident and stepped in in, put his foot in his mouth, and he's like, You can kill the brother who has taken the silver chalice and then it's benjamin who's like oh my god this is the guy that i have to bring back like it could have been anyone else it could have been issachar it could have been simeon it could have been reuben why did it have to be benjamin so now all of them go back to joseph's palace to beg for benjamin's life and then so what causes them to go back to the palace was the fact that they found the silver chalice in benjamin's sack and so they go back to joseph and they're begging for. for Benjamin's life saying that now the confession comes out where they're saying we had a brother from, from, from the same mother as Benjamin but we, we, we sold him and he, he's, we've lost him and we have so, so much heavy regrets about it and we just we can't bear to see our father die of grief because Benjamin doesn't come back so they come clean and say that they betrayed Joseph and the, they're literally saying this to him while he's standing in front of them but they can't see who he is so then Joseph reveals himself and says, I'm Joseph, and he starts speaking to them about the story about he, how he was sold into Egypt um, by them, but it actually it was God's plan to preserve all of them and to preserve their generation. So then he's hugging all his brothers, and he's hugging Benjamin, and they're all crying, and then, um, they, then Joseph says, okay, now go back to Canaan and tell my father that I'm alive. Go back to Canaan and let him know that I live. But then he sends them all back, and he gives them a change of clothing, and it says, but to Benjamin, he gave five changes of clothing. He gave five changes of clothes and 300 pieces of silver. So it's interesting that in in the sack that Benjamin had carried, he was carrying the silver cup that belonged to Joseph. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, God, if this cup can pass from me, let it Be so, but let your will be done. So Jesus drank of our sin. He he drank of the cup of suffering for our redemption. And what kind of metal was the chalice made out of? Silver. And silver in the Bible is a picture of redemption. So the cup of redemption is in the sack of the Benjamin generation. We get to drink of the redemption of Christ, the redemption of Jesus. And then when we come back to Jesus, he gives... He gives um, Benjamin five changes of clothing. He gets five changes of clothing. Um, I'm trying to see what my notes was. He gets five changes of clothes. He gets more than his 10 brothers again. So where the other 10 brothers, because obviously there's 10 brothers, there's Benjamin, then there's Joseph. So the 10 brothers get one change of clothing, clothing, so they get one set of provision for their trip back. And Benjamin got five times more and 300 pieces of silver. So he again gets a payment for redemption. He gets an overwhelming amount of redemption, which is so awesome. It's a picture of grace. So he also sent his father ten male donkeys loaded with the finest products of Egypt and ten male donkeys loaded with grain and and other supplies he would need on his journey. So Joseph is always supplying Benjamin extra, and then he sends uh, ten donkeys filled with uh, the riches of Egypt and ten donkeys filled with the food of Egypt and the provision of Egypt to his father because ten is a representation of all. That's why we tithe a tenth. We tithe. 10 percent, a portion, because 10 represents all. Because everybody says, well, if we're meant to tithe, surely we should give all that we have to God. But 10 represents all. That's why we give a tenth to to God, because we're saying to him, Lord, because I give you a tenth, I'm actually giving you everything. I'm giving you the ability to rule over all my finances. And then later on, it says that um, when they go back to Jacob, and Jacob uh, sees Benjamin and he can't believe that Joseph is alive. And then he sees the 10 donkeys and it says he believes. Because he sees the provision and everything that comes from Egypt, he believes. Um, and then it says, then he brings all of them to Egypt. Um, and it says, Joseph took five of his brothers with him after they came back to Egypt and were presented, and presented them to Pharaoh. So Joseph presented five of his brothers. Five of his brothers to Pharaoh And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? They replied, We are your servants, um, we your servants are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come here to live in Egypt for a while, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there, so please we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. So, literally, in verse five, it says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and your brothers have joined here, Choose any place in the, land, in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and, Jacob, uh, and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So literally it says that we will be a blessing to the world as well. But that the, we would be able to live in the best places in the world. So Joseph presented five of his brothers to Pharaoh, representing grace, representing undeserved, unmerited favor. And because Pharaoh receives this favor and sees favor, he also shows favor to them, which is amazing. So we're here for five times more, everybody. There's five times more provision for us in every single way, because we are the Benjamin generation. We're one of the last generations that exists on earth before Jesus comes back. I don't know if you've noticed that the world is getting darker and darker. We're on the brink of World War III. What it looks like, um, like yeah, it's just—it's so much crazier than it feels like in this room because, like, the lights are still on. Like, life is still LG. It's good. The holidays are here. Exams are over. Like, it doesn't seem that bad. But literally, like a year ago, petrol was like 16 rand a litre, and it's at 23 rand a litre right now, or 22 and a half rand a litre, and. Um, energy costs are super high we've never had as much load shedding as we did this year I think it said that we had if you count all the hours together for this year we had like 136 days of load shedding that's how much power we didn't have this year and then there's just all the things going on in the the states all the things happening in Europe and literally there's there's famine everywhere in the world and God is saying there's going to be provision for the Benjamin generation That where there's famine everywhere else, we're going to have five times more. Say, I'm going to have five times more. And guys, it's like, yes, it's monetary provision, but it's five times more wisdom. It's five times more opportunity. It's five times more grace. It's five times more favor. It's five times more quality of relationship. It's five times more quality in every area of our lives. That's what God wants to bring into our lives. And it's also, there's five robes of righteousness for for Benjamin. He gets five sets of clothing. We're clothed with righteousness five times over. There's just so much grace for us. There's so much provision for us. Do you need wisdom? There's five times the amount than if you do it in your own strength because Benjamin just walked into the room and received favor with Joseph, but the 10 others representing the law had to work for it. They had to almost pay, pay back for, for their sins, because they had to do it in their own strength. But Benjamin just shows up. So let's keep showing up. Let's show up to December saying, hey God, you know, I I, I want to receive five times more the revelation. I want to receive five times more the anointing. I want to receive five times more security in my heart. I want to see five times more the amount of greatness next year. Like, And it doesn't always have to be literally the full five, like times five. You can't have five times more than 60%. You're not going to get 300% for your next test. Uh, But just five times more peace, five times the quality. Like, I, I really believe that God has something so significant for us. Like, imagine if this room was five times more full next year. Where would we put everybody, honestly? But like, that's what we need to start believing for. We're not the generation of one, you give one, you get one. We're the generation of we show up and we get five times. We give ourselves to Jesus and we receive five times more blessing. So let's look at some, just quickly, some other stories of people that um, were Benjam- Benjamites in the Bible and what happened for them. So does anybody here know who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? 2 Two-thirds. No, Paul. Yes, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He wrote Romans, First and Second Corinthians, First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, the Colossians, First and Second Timothy, and that's just ten of the twenty-seven books in the New Testament. And he wrote he, he wrote Titus, he wrote Philemon. Some people believe he wrote Hebrews. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he, he, his letters give us the, like the instructions and the pathways how to live our lives in the finished work of Jesus. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're just telling the story of Jesus. They're telling us about the lead up to the cross and the finished work. But Paul writes to us about how to live a graceful life, how to live in the finished work, how to know about the gifts of the Spirit, how to live in the gifts of the Spirit, how to live in grace, how to live in love, a fuller revelation of Jesus, and how to live in Jesus. Paul wrote that. And in Romans chapter 11, verse 1, Romans chapter 11, verse 1, it says, I ask that I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. It was a Benjamite who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul was from the tribe of Benjamin. And then there's a story of Gideon in the Old Testament, who had come up against one of the armies of uh, Persia or the Philistines, And so the, it says that the army he came up against was about 125,000 men. That's a massive army. And it says that Gideon had an army of 300. 300 men. And God was speaking to him about, hey, I need you to go and fight this army. But Gideon's like, I'm from the weakest tribe in Israel and I'm from the weakest tribe of the clan of of my, I'm from the weakest clan in my tribe. I'm from the weakest family in my clan and I'm the weakest member of my family. Which tribe was he from? Benjamin. Gideon was from the tribe of Benjamin and he he felt like he was from the bottom of the tribe of Benjamin. But then he has an experience in a cave where god shows him the finished work and we can go over that some other day but then he looks at this finished work he sees a lambskin, and there's an awesome story behind it but basically then he believes and so he goes into this battle with 300 men the actual battle of 300 and it says that god causes there to be confusion in their camps and there's literally a, like civil war and that army ends up killing themselves and gideon's 300 men go and plunder the rest of the, the goods that were with them, but Benjamites do some pretty amazing things in the Bible, things that are against the odds. Paul had been stoned twice. You do, do you know when stonings end? Stonings end when you're dead, when they've thrown so many rocks at you that you are no longer living, there's no more breath in your lungs, and they would smash in your head as well. And so Paul had died twice in the New Testament, but he wasn't finished yet. So he was—he came back like twice. He was stoned twice, and and he's like, well, you know, to live is for Christ, and to die is gain—to go with, be with the Lord. But it's better than I'm here with you, so that I can tell you the good news. And so Paul literally writes two thirds of the New Testament. He's in prison for most of his ministry. Thank God that Paul went to prison because if he didn't go to prison, he wouldn't have been able to write those letters. He wanted to preach, but God said, I need you to write. So he sat in prison. There was one time where he praised his way out of prison and the prison walls fell down and him and Silas left. But most of the time he was there. It feels dark. It feels hard. But God was working. So there's, there's amazing things for us, the Benjamin generation, five times more. I don't know about you guys, but I want to see five times more. Like, I probably just bought a house in the weirdest time. Like, you guys don't yet know this, but one day you will want to and you can ask me questions. But like, the interest rates just went up twice in the last two months. I've owned a house for a month and a half. So for me, the interest rates have gone up twice in the time that I've just bought my house. Uh, It's like, Okay God, but you told me to buy this house. You told me this is what you want. You want us to own wealth. You want us to own assets. You don't want us to survive, you want us to thrive. So I've took that step of faith and I'm like, "Well, I'm part of the Benjamin generation. There's five times more provision for me. I'm not stressed about paying off my bond because God's going to bring me the provision. He's going to show me the favor. I'm not selling. I'm not renting. I'm here to own. I'm here to take territory. I'm here to have generational wealth. I'm here that my kids can have a trust fund that pays for their universities and pays for their schools. That's what I'm what I'm believing God for in this time of the world. And he wants to do that for all of us because we're all in the Benjamin generation. And the only thing that Benjamin needs to do to be shown favor, the only thing that Benjamin needs to do to receive extra e- e- supernatural amounts of provision and abundance is show up. Show up. To the presence of joseph show up to the presence of jesus and let's do it often and then we're going to see god supernaturally bless us i'll let you guys know that that the the main band was like how can we get people from the industry to come at, to church how can we get people from the music industry to start experiencing jesus do we need to pay them? Do, they need, do we need to pay them to come and be part of the band so that they come to Thursday night rehearsal so they experience the culture of Jesus and then they experience church on a Sunday when they play in the band? And I, I'm like, I'd rather pay a music teacher to teach the youth how to play music because the industry's sitting right here. The next generation of talent are sitting in front of me. Let's invest. Let's play the long game because I think that some of the most influential leaders... I think some of the best lawyers, I think some of the best doctors, some of the best politicians, some of the best sportsmen are sitting in this room right now. Some of the best sound engineers, some of the best music producers, it's sitting in here. This is where it's at, the Benjamin generation, the now generation. We don't need to wait. God believes in you now, today. And he wants to know that he can resource you today. Uh, I'll I'll pursue my dreams when I have enough money. That's not trusting God. That doesn't sound like five times more to me. Five times more to me says, I'm going to take a step now, and as I step, that water's going to recede, and I'm going to be able to cross into the promised land. I'm going to take a step now, and there's going to be provision for me. There's going to be opportunities. I'm going to meet the right people. I'm going to get in connection with people that I never thought I'd meet. I'm going to have opportunities on radio before my time. I'm going to be in the news. I'm going to make a difference. Don't look at what everybody else is doing on social media and saying they got lucky. No. Stuff that. We have Jesus. We, we have so much more. We need to believe it every single day. And so what I, I, I wrote here is that I want to challenge us to ask God, Lord, show me, give me a greater revelation of what it means to be a part of the Benjamin generation this December. Give me a greater revelation of your grace. Give me a greater revelation of the provision you have for me. Go and read the scriptures about how Jesus became your wisdom. Go and read Philippians 4 verse 19. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Glorious. Out of his abundance. There's so much for us. Start asking questions. Start challenging God. Start asking for revelation. Start asking for more. Start asking God to put you in those opportunities and start also thinking that I'm going to face challenges, I'm going to face trials, it's going to be sometimes difficult, but my God will take me through. We need to stop accepting mediocre. There's nothing mediocre about the Benjamin generation. There's nothing mediocre about somebody that God has knit together with his hands. Psalms 139, I was knit together, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You were literally handmade by God. There's there's fingerprints of greatness on your DNA. There's fingerprints of greatness on your brain. There's fingerprints of greatness on every single piece of you. God's fingers are not mediocre. You're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. So let's go into this holiday season asking God, Lord, show me how you see me. Show me how you see the world. Show me how many opportunities are in front of me. Give me revelations. Give me ideas. Give me vision. Give me me business ideas. Show me what university you want me to go into. Show me what videos I can watch on YouTube that I can start picking up a skill. One of my 2022 goals is to start playing piano. I have no idea how to play piano. I've never played an instrument. I feel like I was robbed as a child that I never got the opportunity to play an instrument, that my parents never forced me to learn guitar or something. So now I'm like, okay, we just turned 26, and this year we're going to learn to play piano. And I'm just going to start with some YouTube videos because I can't afford a piano teacher. But during the week, there's going to be a piano sitting here for five days, and I live three minutes down the road. So I'm going to come in early, and I'm going to watch some youtube theory and i'm gonna start learning to play piano i want to challenge myself i i don't know what's in me i don't know what i could learn so let's let's just find resource and let's just go for it because if you start today one percent today one percent tomorrow one percent the day after that one percent the day after that one percent for half a year you're 180 percent better to be precise, you're 182.5% better. And after a year from now, you're 365% better. Because we just gave a little bit every day. So don't be intimidated by 1%. Please. Our God is so much bigger than 1%. So let's, let's just go for it. Let's just say, God, you know what? Pastor Matt has been talking about the Benjamin generation. He's been talking about provision. He's been talking about how we're not mediocre. God, I want you to show me how excellent you are through me. I want to show you how, how diligent you are through me. I want to show you how disciplined you are through me. I want to show you how big your vision is through me. I want to show I want you to show me how big your love is through me. Cause guys, next year's next year the, the intensity is going up in a good way. Next year. Like if you've ever seen a video of an aircraft carrier and those planes don't take off. By their own power, because an aircraft carrier is only a couple of hundred meters long, it's not a long enough runway for a jet to take off. So it attaches itself to something called a slingshot that uses nuclear power from the engine that's in the ship, because ships run on some of those aircraft carriers run on nuclear power, and it literally catapults them. It it throws them off, throws them off the edge of the ship, and it just launches, and that's what's going to happen. Just gonna absolutely be launched. I'm so excited for next year. I not I don't the thing is that like I don't have like the most grand plans yet. Like I've got some ideas that are gonna be exciting for next year, but like God just says in me, like I've only just given you a taste. There's so much more. And when I stand in this room this morning, I was crying during worship because I'm like, I'm not gonna see, I'm not gonna be able to stand up here and look at you guys and preach until the 8th of Jan. I'm going, I'm going away this week and then next week, Annie's preaching, the 18th, Jared is preaching, then it's Christmas and New Year, which uh, we don't have any youth services and then it's the 8th of Jan and I was like, I'm going to miss them so freaking much. I'm going to miss you guys, but it's because I'm, I'm so proud of you. You guys have been amazing this year. You guys have just kept showing up. You've grown so much. And I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it from your own perspective because you live with yourself every day. I only get to see you every now and then, but I've seen you guys grow so much. You guys are amazing. God has so much more for you in the next 365 days. So much for you. And I'm expecting, I'm just like, God, I just want to see a generation on fire absolutely ignited, absolutely blowing up, absolutely running in faith, absolutely just almost looking like ignorance to the to the challenges around us because we live like, the, like it's rigged in our favor. That's what Annie said a couple of weeks ago or last week. Live life like it's rigged in your favor because it is. No one else is getting five times more. No one else is getting the favor that Jesus is gonna give us. Only us, only us, the Benjamin generation, But we also want to extend that to the rest of the world. I want to see other people also living in the favor and goodness of God. So we're going to take that to them next year. Big time. Big time. World shakers. Here, now. Say, I am a world shaker. I am going to change the world. Jesus believes in me. Jesus, help me. Believe in me. Because sometimes the biggest obstacle in our path is ourselves. We don't believe in ourselves. We don't believe in the greatness that dwells within us. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity today to be a part of just raising the Benjamin generation and just seeing such an amazing group of people, such an amazing group of young men, such an amazing group of young women, Lord, that you've got such grand plans for God. And I pray that you would just give them a glimpse because if they saw any more, they would be terrified of what you're calling them calling them to because they wouldn't think they could do it. But God, I thank you that in this holiday season that you would just show them more, that you would give them hope, a confident expectation of good, In their lives, a confident expectation of good for their families, a confident expectation of good in their schoolwork, a confident expectation of good in their futures. I thank you, God, that there's five times more for us. Five times more, Lord. I I, want to receive it. I want to see us receive it. God, help us to walk in the humility and grace required so that we can do everything that you've called us to do help us to listen to you more help us to spend time in the word this december because god we just we crave more we crave more lord we just crave you we just want to we just want to be enveloped in your love and in the, the security that you want to provide to our hearts and we also just want to walk in the grand plans that you have for us god we don't we don't want to live mediocre but we're afraid of greatness so we avoid it lord but help us to realize that we don't need to be afraid of greatness God because we're not the ones that are trying to achieve it but that we actually just walk in your spirit and you you take us to greatness God not us we don't need to be like the 10 brothers going in their own efforts God but that we can be like Benjamin and walk in we can show up we can come into your presence and we know that there's so much more for us there's five times more for us and so we just want to receive that today as the Benjamin generation Lord we thank you that this December season is blessed we thank you for everything that you want to do in it, God. And we just want to say yes today. We want to open up our hearts and we just want to receive. And if you're sitting here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you just want to you want to know more about God and you want to have a relationship with Him because He does. He wants to have a relationship with you. But first, He wants you to receive the finished work that His Son Jesus died for. And He wants you to receive the righteousness. That you need in order to walk with Him. So, if that's you today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this moment is for you. And as our heads are bowed, we're going to pray together so that you don't have to pray on your own and we're going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ into your hearts. And the Bible says that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, let's pray together, everybody. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for me by your body that was broken your blood that was shed, all my sins, past, present, and future, have been washed away. Today I declare that you are my Lord, you are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.